Hello there and welcome to another episode on the Wealth Stylist Podcast. Today we are going to talk about last minute tax tips and money saving strategies with Chanel Simmons. Chanel Simmons is a federal licensed enrolled agent and a trusted business consultant with over 19 years of experience in accounting and tax. She was a former IRS revenue agent and holds multiple degrees in accounting. Let's go ahead and tune in. Thank you so much, uh, Chanel Simmons, for joining me on the Wealth Alice podcast. It's truly an honor to have you share your wisdom <laughs> about building wealth, especially around the topic around you know, business taxes, whether it's a hobby um, versus a business for tax purposes. And so I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me, Natasha. <laughs> You're welcome. And so we've connected through a mastermind group and I saw most of the content that you were sharing and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so relevant, especially for the women in my audience who are either emerging or evolving women entrepreneurs, but even in the sense of learning something new because things are always consistently changing. And Absolutely. so especially in the climate that we're in, it's so important to have the right uh, tools, resources, and strategies. And I felt that you would be the ideal person, especially with your background, to provide that information. No, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and so since the audience don't know who you are, can you share with us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So um, I am a founder and CEO of my company, Nell Tax and Financial Solutions. Um, very excited about November 2021 because I will be celebrating five years Ooh. of serving the nation um, as well as um, U.S. territories. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, in addition to that, I'm a mom and a wife, but I'm also I'm a former Internal Revenue Service revenue agent where I used to conduct the audits of individuals, self-employed and small businesses. And one of the things a lot of people don't realize when it comes to small business on a federal level, um, this is businesses that can have assets up to $10 million. So all because you are, you know, people think small business is mom and pop shop. Uh, no, in in the global scheme of things, a small business, um, and at that time it was ten million. Now it has gone up to twenty five million. So you can be making nine figures and still be considered a small business on a global scale. Um, so uh, yeah, and that involved anywhere from doing with non followers to fraudulent cases, offshore disclosures, and I was also a trainer of other agents while I was there as well. So I'm currently, I'm a degreed accountant. I'm not a CPA, but I am a degreed accountant, meaning I have multiple degrees, including an advanced accounting degree. And I am an enrolled agent. So that allows me to be able to represent individuals and businesses and organizations before the Internal Revenue Service all across the country. So that's a little bit of my background. <laughs> so what inspired you to do the work that you do today? Uh, so going out on my own, when I was working for the service, one of the common denominators I would hear all the time, whether I was across someone's kitchen table or I was in a massive boardroom with a bunch of suits, you know, attorneys and other accountants um, that were representing their clients, was had we had someone like you, we either would not be in this position or we would, it wouldn't be um, 
owing as much as we do, or it wouldn't be as this much of a problem. So once you keep hearing that over and over again, you say, okay. And not only that, with at, even back in 2013, government shutdowns, mm-hmm. budget cuts, et cetera, I w- was stagnated within the organization. So there's multiple things you can do within the IRS. The IRS is this huge enterprise of different positions and opportunities. However, when there isn't any money flowing into it, um, they pretty much keep you where you are. And I knew, okay, I am worthy and I'm outstanding. And if you guys aren't going to fully util- utilize me, then I can just take my talents elsewhere. So that's what I did. Wow, that's such an inspiring story. And what was that transition for you from going from IRS to entrepreneur? Could you share that with us? I'll share you a little bit. Okay. Um, I did write a whole book on it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. Still, it's, still, it's still available on Amazon. It's called uh-huh. Asking for Success. Yes, I'm plugging. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, it is on Amazon. Um, where I go into detail about it, and it, um, and and therefore it is it is a workbook as mm-hmm. it is also my story. So it's also help you, anybody who's listening, um, with that process if you're transitioning from employee and thinking about going to entrepreneurship. So um, that is a tool that's available to you. But for me personally, um, just I I what I did was while still working, I started slowly putting in the pieces into place. I registered my business name first. And from there, um, after just registering the business name, you know, started getting the idea of what services I wanted to do. And then after figuring out exactly what services I wanted to provide, um, how did I want to price everything? So I'm just constantly just like little by little, I'm still working there. And then, you know, come, um, I was going to try to leave at the end of 2014, but I got pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, I'm going to be on pause for a minute. So I stayed one more year, but then I knew in 2016, this was going to be it. So I started January of 16 and said, okay, we're going to get serious now. And every month I just was doing one little thing more to get me ready to go, either purchasing mm-hmm. some supplies that was going to be the supplies with the company or, or purchasing um, a new piece of equipment and getting all of my startup costs. So when I left in, on September 30th, I opened in November and I was ready to go. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I had, well, my mom was my first customer and she paid. <laughs> my mom paid everyone. I just wanted to put you guys out there. She paid full price and she did that. Um, not so much to just be like, you know, like charity. She wanted me to perfect my processes. That's very important. Mm. Little, little tidbit out there for you. Yeah. Um, she wanted to make sure what processes I had in place. I was, I was comfortable with that. So when I really had a customer who was going to come in, I knew exactly, okay, how we're going to charge your card, put that in my invoice. All I had already been through the process. So therefore it wasn't me trying to fumble and figuring it all out in real time. Mm-hmm. So again, I kept doing little things to get ready. So that way, when I really did have customers, that's why people, a lot of people sometimes look at like my ratings from mm-hmm. past customers and they're just like, really? And I'm like, absolutely. I, I strive for excellence. And a lot of people have excellent experiences. Some people aren't happy and it's more so they're not happy because of the end result. Mm-hmm. And usually mm-hmm. that's nothing I have nothing to do with because the IRS or the state says, you know, yeah, it's yeah, not going to go yeah. your way. 
did all that I could possibly do to work it in your favor. But even people in those situations, they'll typically say that their experience still was at least something that was to be desired. So, you know, just constantly working on what I was trying to do, what I, what I knew my company was going to be from the very beginning. I love that because you shared so many tidbits and your process and your transition from going from employee to entrepreneurs, making sure that you had a good product that was a fit for your market. Um, when you talked about having the necessary services. And one of the things I talk a lot about with my clients is about having a documented process, which mm -hmm. is something that you shared. And I was like, yes, like in my head, I was like, yes, yes, because that's so important because you want to have repeatable success. Mm -hmm. And the only way that that you can do it is having a process in place or something that's documented mm -hmm. so that you know what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be improved. Um, and I, I, I love the transition. And I wanted to ask you, because this flows into my next question for you is, um, when it comes to, is it a business or a hobby? Um, because a lot of people are in that transition state or they have a side hustle or they're building something as they are working their nine to five. Could you share what the difference between the two are? So here's here. All right, Natasha, <laughs> yours will be the first platform I'm making this official declaration about this because I share this in my small inner circles, but okay. I'm about to literally write an entire article on this because a term that honestly needs to stay in 2020 and not be repeated anymore is side hustle. And mm. I'll explain that. Okay. When you make the decision that you are going to participate in an activity that will one day make you money that is going to one day eventually possibly either replace your income or just be another source of income. It is not a side hustle. It is not a hobby. You have a business. It's just either one starting or it is like, think of it like a part-time business. And that's the thing. A lot of us will say, I have a part-time job. You don't hear people say, I have a side job. I'm mm -hmm. a side professional. <laughs> I'm a side, you know, I'm a side uh, secretary. I do that on the side. No, no one says that. What do they say? I have a part-time job. Yes. Because it's still a job and you still treat it with the same reverence or importance or at least priority anyway, as you do your full-time job because it still brings you in money, Right. Yes. Or the purpose of it is so it can bring you in additional money. I hear a lot of people constantly keep saying, I want this thing to help me create legacy. I want this thing to, to either help me eventually leave my job or be a part of the picture that's going to leave my job. If that's the case, treat it like the business that it is before you even get your first customer. Mm. When the analogy I use for a lot of um, my clients when I do consultations with them okay. and they come to me with an idea and they're just trying to figure out how to get everything in place, I'll, I'll use the um, analogy of, of like when you see a sign saying that a restaurant is coming, you don't say that that's a side restaurant. <laughs> you say, oh, what business is coming? Uh-huh, uh-huh. They haven't had a single customer. They haven't made a single dollar, but trust and believe they are keeping track of every single expense 
that is being poured into them digging out the dirt, them building the foundation, them putting in whatever equipment, whatever signs and advertisement that's going all around that space as everything is getting built. Once they actually bring in those employees, those employees are getting paid before, typically before for their training and such. Everything is happening like as if the money is flowing. You know why? Because it's a business. Uh-huh. Even though you haven't had a single dollar made, even though you haven't had a single real customer. So, so what I really need for people to stop doing is I need them to stop saying you have a side hustle. Because first off, saying something's on the side, you've already dismissed mm-hmm. all the aspirations you claim you want for yourself. You put it already literally to the side. And then hustle, who wants to hustle? Exactly. <laughs> if that's right up there with the word grind for me. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want, you, yes, it's going to take work for sure. But hustle means you're, you're doing something that's unorganized. Mm-hmm. You're scrambling. You're being busy without a purpose. Mm-hmm. That's a hustle. Yeah. So I put it on the side and I'm being busy without a purpose. And then you wonder why, you're, why the thing that was supposed to give you legacy and profit and get you out of your job isn't doing what you intended for it to do. Yeah. And then from a legal standpoint, the revenue code, a hobby, for it to truly be a hobby, it should just be for pleasure or recreation. That's what Internal Revenue Code 183 says in the tax law. So if, 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 if it truly is a hobby, you don't care if it makes you money. You would still participate in it regardless. Most of you care. That's the whole reason you're doing it. You're, you're putting out ads, creating websites, getting logos, doing trainings and all this other stuff because you want this to eventually make you money even if it's not right now. It is a business. It's just a business that's either in a startup phase or it's growing or you just haven't had a customer yet and, you ha- and you're generating losses. But that does not make it any less of a business. Plus, when it comes to tax code, when it is a hobby, you still got to report any dollars that you make when you're, you're participating in a hobby activity. A lot of people don't know that. And the only difference is that versus reporting the hobby um, income net effect with the expenses, meaning that when it's a business, I can sit there and say, okay, here's my income, here's the expenses, and what goes on the tax return on the front that gets taxed for income tax purposes is that net amount, income minus expenses. Mm -hmm. What they do with hobbies is they put the income first, and then only if you itemize, meaning if you don't take the standard deduction, then you could possibly get the expenses up to whatever income you got. But here's the trick on that. Because of the fact that income went up there first, that increases your adjusted gross income. So mm-hmm. now anything else that you may have that would have been limited, like as far as deductions and such, it's now been increased because you have more income from your quote unquote hobby. Again, versus treating it like a business. When you do things the right way, it's usually more beneficial when you're doing it the way it's supposed to be done because you're actually operating within the game of the actual system. When you try to, once again, hustle and take shortcuts and scheme and, and, and scrimp and scram, 
then what ends up happening is it technically costs you more. And you miss out on a lot of things that you could have taken had you treated your business like a business. So you talked about a really good point. It's like making it, I love the fact of the side hustle thing, because I'm the same way. I believe in like passion project is what I call it. But I love the idea of removing that in and in it of itself and just talking about being a part-time business um, yeah. as you are building and growing and evolving and starting to establish yourself. But another thing you really talked about is making sure that you have a solid foundation from the beginning yep. um, with your business. How can you do that when it comes to taxes? So having a solid foundation from the beginning is it all starts with your records. Um, the IRS has very simple requirements. It just needs to be um, it needs to make sure it has a date, the amount, who you paid, and what it was for. And then the record itself, it just needs to be readable. What they call, um, it needs to be current. Like it needs to be basically be needed to happen within the time frame that it happened as close as possible. They would prefer like this is not something that you recreated. So they would like for it to be kind of like if if you had the transaction happen today, that the receipts and such would be from today. But if you had to get it reprinted, it's not that big deal. But that's what they would like. Okay. Um, and retrievable, meaning that if they come and were to need to look at your records, not because anything is wrong, but if they, because a lot of times when they do an audit, it's literally to just check that by law, they're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. And when you have all your records in place, it doesn't matter how much of a loss or, or what expense amount you had. If you have first the proof of it, and then of course, if there was a legitimate business purpose that it was ordinary and necessary to the production of the income for your business, then you can keep it. But again, it goes back to what you can prove. So it starts with your record keeping. Really, it does. That's the mm -hmm. biggest foundation. Now, and then that, Go ahead, that? go ahead. Now it's going to ask you with record keeping, do, is it a requirement to keep every single business receipt? Because that was a question that came up. Um, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, a gray area. Uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll explain. Okay. Um, there's a part of the tax law that says um, if the expense is under $75 individually, so like if you went somewhere, but there's, that's usually for certain items. Um, there's some items where they always want you to keep copies of those um, expenses, such as hotel, airfare, it's usually related to travel, a hotel, airfare. Um, such like that doesn't matter how much that is. They usually want you to keep copies of those receipts. Okay. Um, and then depending upon what the deduction is, they may want you to keep all receipts. And mm -hmm. for some, that's when it becomes about judgment. Um, the reason why, in truth, though, there is an internal revenue code that basically um, 6001 that says that they're they're able to not allow any deductions if you can't prove it to them. Mm. And they'll fall on that. That's why I said yes or no. So 
it depends. It depends on what you're operating with. Um, if you're someone who's, you know, and I don't want to like give out any information yeah. to say, well, you know, it truly depends. Um, it's always just best to just do it. Okay. Um, and, and do keep in mind, bank statements are great for proving that you paid it. It's not proof that it actually happened, though, for the business purpose. So you still want to be able to have the actual receipt and or statement or what or email or whatever you have to back that up. That's what's considered what they call a source document. Because mm. the reason why is a lot of bank statements will literally just show maybe the name of the vendor, the date and the amount. So remember, I gave you guys four things that they typically look for when it comes to items. It is the date. It is the amount and it's usually who received the money, but then they also need to know what was it for. And that's where your bank statement is not going to show. So they can always argue it could have possibly been you commingling funds, meaning that you were mm. using business um, money to pay for a personal item. And they'll say, you don't, it's not allowed because you cannot prove to them at that time that maybe that expense item was really for you versus the business or had a business purpose. Mm, I hope you guys caught that. The date, the amount, who it was paid to and what it was for mm -hmm. <laughs> having that source document. And so with that, there are some common myths that I'm sure you have typically heard from business owners around taxes. Could you share some of your common uh, myths that you've heard? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I think the biggest one, the, the one that really grinds my gears is I don't have to file because I didn't make any money. Mm. Um, okay. And I'm going to explain why you, 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 as a business owner, um, you're still going to want to file. A lot of people get upset when they hear of these larger companies, but this is going to go back to my story about the restaurant and how they're building and they're claiming everything as they're building and the restaurant hasn't even opened yet and taken their first customer, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of you are building and such. And then also think of that restaurant. What do all restaurants make a big deal out of? The grand opening, right? They'll, they'll say, this is the date that we are officially open, right? Same for you. The day that you decide that I am able to take a customer, I'm taking customers. If someone came to me today or tomorrow or from here on out, I will serve that customer because I'm, I'm, I'm able. I might not be 100% ready, but I am taking customers now. That's your grand opening date, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you hadn't had a customer yet, but you're on Facebook, you're on LinkedIn, you're on TikTok, wherever you are, at, you know, your local newspaper flyers, whatever you've done, or even if you just told, you know, your church family that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I'm taking customers. <laughs> that, was, that was your grand opening. Mm -hmm. because now you're open for business. And here's the thing that's beautiful about that. You're going to want to take all of those expenses that you had acquired to get to that point as what they call your startup costs as a deduction, even if you didn't earn a single cent. One, because you legally can do so. <laughs> so two, when you're operating as a business versus trying to advocate that you're a hobby, because let's be clear, most of you are truly businesses. Mm -hmm. um, you're not doing this just for the fun of it. <laughs> um, 
what ends up happening is because of business income being earned income, it will, if you have losses, meaning you have more expenses, more money you spent than the income that came in, even if the income is zero, but you spent a lot of your own money, mm-hmm. it can offset other income. So that's huge for some of you who are working W-2 jobs right now. And, you know, your job is you paying, you may be making your livelihood there and you're pouring some of that money into trying to get this business going or maintaining that business. Now, you know, you're keeping track of all those business expenses it's a loss. No, you haven't made any income, mind you, making sure that you're actually reporting all sources of income. So not only what's hitting the bank, but cash app. I know what you guys do. Bemo, <laughs> Zelle, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, messenger, however you're getting the money, cash itself, making sure all sources of income is reported. And if, if you sincerely had no income at all, um, then, you know, Report your truth. Those expenses are really yours. You have um, receipts and such to back that up and that it has a business purpose that is for the ordinary and necessary operations of your business to make money, even though it hasn't made any yet. Um, If you're stuck with some, you know, losses, whatever that number may be, that gets subtracted from the other income sources that you may have on your tax return and therefore reducing your tax liability. And it creates an official document because people don't realize your tax return is a legal official document. When it's signed, it says under the guise of perjury where the signature is. It is an official legal document. This is why banks and lenders and such are always requesting it. You have now also established a timeline for your business. It is very hurtful, Natasha, when I see businesses um, that could have uh, qualified for grants and loans, but they don't have anything that officially states that they've been open for how long they really been open because they waited until the date that they actually got the LLC or they waited until the day that they actually started making money versus reporting these losses and reporting everything as it really happened so you you say that you've been in business for seven years your your return records actually correlate to what you're saying there you go Mm -hmm. you've established yourself and you get what and then you know if if this has been your reality for some years even though you might be making money it may be a little bit of money but you're still pouring in more money than what you're making Mm -hmm. first i want you to really maybe sit down with some folks and, and figure out what's going on. Because at that point, um, it could be a multitude of reasons why you're not being profitable because uh-huh. we ultimately want our businesses to be profitable, right? Yeah, it's yeah. okay to, and, and even the IRS, is, they will turn a blind eye to the fact that the first few years you're having losses. Um, but if you continuously continue to have loss after loss after loss, just for your own self, forget the IRS. That's a problem because basically your business is bleeding your money. You know, your your whole point of you spending your money is you trying to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So, but what happens is for those years that you didn't make money, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you didn't have any offsetting income from other places to take up those losses. You could have what's called a net operating loss which means that there will be those losses get to carry forward. So then for the years that you 
are profitable. This is how some of you are, you, you get all in your chest about <laughs> <laughs> these bigger corporations not paying any taxes. It's because they literally did what I'm about to tell you. They kept track of the years that they weren't doing so well, right? The mm-hmm. money came in from investors or lenders or their own pockets because they too sometimes bootstrap their own companies, right? Mm-hmm. But they kept track of everything. And then the year that it finally flipped and they made some money, they may have had several years where they were not doing so well, but they kept track of all those expenses and claimed them for tax purposes. And now that they've carried them forward, all those losses now offsets that income that they now have and they either have very little or no tax liability. Those same opportunities are available to you, but this goes back to what I said. The foundation is your record keeping and keeping track of your records. The IRS does not recommend any one way over another. It's honestly what's best for you. They just need it for be something that can be legible, where you can read it, um, retrievable, and they want it to be something that's been recorded as close to when it actually occurred as possible. Um, but if you have to recreate it in special circumstances, just as long as you make a note about that, it is what it is, but that's what you want. It starts with your record keeping. It starts with making sure you file. And it honestly starts with just having a mindset of you say you want to be in business, act like Mm -hmm. you're a business Mm -hmm. before day one. Mm. Well, that's good. And as we, are coming to the close of the year. I mean, we're <laughs> we're close to it. Um, what are some year-end tax planning questions entrepreneurs should be asking um, their tax professional? And then I'll even ask you how you know what are some things that they should consider or look for in a tax professional. But first, you know, as we're coming to the end of the year, what are some year-end tax planning questions entrepreneurs or small business owners um, could ask to make sure that they're maximizing their savings or deductions? So what they want to ask, and like I said, they should share, they should share what their goals are Mm -hmm. um, for 2021. Um, they should share or for new year. So if they want to build out a team, they should say, I'm thinking about building out a team. What would that look like for me tax wise? Because that's going to be federal taxes as well as state, local, payroll, etc. They should also um, share if, especially in this climate now where everyone's kind of becoming virtual, Mm -hmm. if they're thinking about retiring any assets, so um, so what I mean by that is if you are used to using certain equipment in your workspace and you're no longer utilizing it because everyone's working from home, maybe that's something that might need to come off the balance sheet. Um, rental agreements, you know, some people unfortunately may be locked into their lease, but if you're not, that's another thing that you might want to ask about is just say, you know, is this something that maybe we should still keep? What would that look like? Um, Another question to maybe ask your um, tax professional is the benefits of changing your entity type. Some people, you know, most small business owners will start off as, um, when you start off as a sole proprietorship or maybe instantly be an LLC. You can remain an LLC for legal purposes but you might want to be taxed. 
you might want to be taxed as um, an S corporation or even a C corporation. And it would be good to talk to, you know, your tax professional, just ask them, what would be the difference if I were to do either or? Um, that's, so those would be the year end tax planning questions to consider for moving forward. So it all starts from with your goals. So being intentional about the goals that you have for your business. Yeah, definitely, definitely be intentional about whatever your goals are. Because okay. at the end of the year, like now that we are a few days before the year would end, mm-hmm. there's only so much that they can do. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get upset when the new year start and a lot of tax professionals will say, well, you can increase your, you know, your retirement contributions. And they're like, they're like, that's not going to help me. And it's like, because <laughs> anything and everything else that you could have done should have honestly been a conversation that happened during the year as it's occurring. Mm-hmm. So if you operate on what they call a calendar year, which means at midnight or 11.59 and 59 seconds on 12.31, <laughs> um, that's it. Mm-hmm. Anything that has happened at that point, um, you know, once the clock strikes midnight, the the year has done. We cannot technically go back in time and change um, what has happened. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so when it yeah, so when you're at this point, I mean, the only things that you can possibly do is um, really start thinking about what do I do going in December. What can we do for the year going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as for the end of the year, if you're trying to get everything together yourself, even though there's a few days left, it would be really good to make me start talking to, like just going through, making sure you have your bank statements. Um, if there's any large vendors that you may have forgotten about, it's best to try to retrieve the information now before the year ends. Because mm-hmm. um, some people, depending upon whatever systems or whatever they have, it might be harder for them to get the information from the year prior. If you, you know, wait to like March or April mm-hmm. and try to ask them, can you retrieve this information from me from like January of this year? They'll be like, they might say, I can't go back that far. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just be mindful of that. Like if you, I'm a huge advocate as you're going along, you should be doing all these things. But again, if you need to kind of backpedal, now is like really the time to try to go back and uh, just, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's where you can Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, get get whatever records um, that you possibly can retrieve if you haven't done so already. with everything that's been going on with um, the biggest one for this year, particularly for those of you who do have employees, um, if you decided to participate in opting out of employment tax this last quarter of the year, um, you should be warning, or hopefully your pay, if you're using a payroll um, provider, they have warned your employees about what's going to happen the first quarter, which means um, double Social Security, double Medicare. Uh, is going to be getting withdrawn from their paycheck so that it's going to reduce their net pay uh, uh, um but if that conversation has not happened you really i i, I would just say for the peace <laughs> of your business uh-huh. you really would want to have that kind of conversation with your people because um and it really should have already happened uh-huh. so that way they could be prepared because that's going to be a na- I, i'm really 
worried for people. Okay. That's going to be a nasty surprise. Um, if, if in fact your company had opt-in on that for this last quarter of the year. Um, when it comes to the PPP loans, every bank is doing it slightly different, but mm -hmm. it's pretty much the same as far as the basics of making sure, again, this goes back to records, making sure that you um, kept track of how the money was applied mm -hmm. during the year after you received it and making sure you had that recorded to give it to your, um, to the, to the lender that you got the money from your accountant or whomever assisted you with that process should be able to tell you if they need any additional information from you if they don't already have access to that um, and they should be able to let you know um, if you did qualify for forgiveness or not they're doing so many in a day um, I know there's like a sort of a backlog so if you haven't heard anything back just be patient about the forgiveness process um, with the EIDL loans um you know same thing just um you know they're not in, they're not in repayment right now so most of them aren't so therefore okay. you know if you're not in repayment right now i know they will start going to repayment for 2021 so just you know that's a cash flow issue mm -hmm. and for tax purposes um you will be able to deduct you know hopefully some of the interest of that so that will be helpful but okay. um yeah, just know that money's going to look a little different for you next year. And just really just have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation if you're able to. Be mindful, though, accountants right now and the tax professionals, we are already kind of starting to feel the crunch with the fact that um, they put out the news about a pending second stimulus, so everyone has questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, and then... In the package, they've already said that there's going to be additional funding for um, PPP loans or, or right. a second wave potentially. So there's just a whole lot of stuff that's literally, we're kind of back to where we were almost, it feels like March at the beginning of this year, where as the information is flowing out, we are learning and we're trying to, you know, divulge. So, you know, just also just have a little patience with us because, um, we've been on a huge roller coaster <laughs> this year of trying to just keep track of just not only just the normal year to year changes like it always is, but then also everything that's been changing literally from moment to moment to moment. So. Oh, wow. And so with all of that going on, how would someone go about or what should someone consider when they're looking for a tax professional? Um, what would be your recommendation? Absolutely. So even if they are an attorney or CPA, mm -hmm. um, you need to make sure they specialize in taxes. Not all attorneys and not all CPAs specialize in taxes. Mm, okay. So, because um, think about it, an attorney and the CPA and, and, and accountants and bookkeepers as well, throw them in the punch as well. Because mm -hmm. um, enrolled agents, enrolled agents actually do specialize in taxes. We, that's literally what we are. We are the tax specialists. That's what we do. Okay. That's why our um, license is through, um, is, 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 is governed over by the IRS, but um, it's given to us by Congress. So like mm -hmm. we are the only ones that actually everything we do is from a tax filter, but, okay. um, but everybody else, Mind you, that's not to say that they don't know, especially, you know, CPAs. I mean, literally a portion of the exam itself is taxes. However, 
um, just like a doctor, you have your general doctor and then you have the specialists. All of them can take a heartbeat, but not everybody knows how to do ear, nose, throat as well as the ear, nose, throat doctor. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, you know, is, you know, the eye doctor. Not everyone is a dentist. Not everyone, you know, <laughs> is dermatologist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's literally how this is too. Um, all of everyone would have a general understanding, but just make sure that they actually are going to be doing the taxes. And um, if you are soliciting someone like that, um, just just ask for transparency and just ask, are you going to contract the workout? Because a lot of times accounting firms and um, lawyers, you know, they themselves may not be the ones that's actually doing it. They may be reviewing it. They may not be the ones doing it. So you might just, just want to ask, you know, like who all is going to be on the team to help out with my stuff if, okay. if you're concerned. So... So most importantly, making sure you have an enrolled, looking for someone that's an enrolled tax uh, or an enrolled agent. Enrolled agents are tax professionals. So there are CPAs and attorneys who are enrolled agents as well. Okay. Um, and then there is um, registered tax preparers. They too have taken a test that's administered by the IRS um, to be saying that they passed the IRS's test, that they should have a general knowledge. Um, okay. But then also to just look at reviews okay. of the people. I mean, this goes back to just basics. Mm -hmm. Looking at the reviews, um, asking around, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because even even as an enrolled agent, <clears throat> just like what I'm going to go, I, I like using doctors because I think everyone gets <laughs> Just like a doctor. You, uh -huh. can, you can have the certification doesn't necessarily mean you're good at it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so, you know, or, you know, so therefore, you know, that goes back to, you know, asking around or also too, it could just be not a good fit. You know, mm -hmm. they may be great at what they do, but you, the two of you just don't jive well. Like you don't feel comfortable having a conversation with them because mm -hmm. definitely when it comes to taxes, you need to have a conversation because for all, you know, um, just that one little thing that you share could change your tax liability. And what I mean by that is like, I had one client um, and talking to them, you know, on paper, they're just a married couple, wage earner and such. Mentioned that their mom had moved in with them. Mm. And because of that conversation, I'm just like, oh, so your mom is like a dependent now? Like she's whatever. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, she doesn't really, she doesn't get anything or whatever like that. We take care of her. Now mom is on the return as a dependent. It saved them an additional $500 in taxes. So, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they got the credit for her as, a, as, a, um, as an other qualified dependent. Mm. Those kind of conversations can be tax saving. Okay. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to your tax professional, you could be leaving money on the table because what little that you believe that you're sharing could mm -hmm. actually be significant to your bottom line. So... And so as an entrepreneur, how often should you be checking in with your tax professional or as say, a business owner? I would say at the very least twice, okay. um, at the very absolute least twice, because you're going to have the conversation at the beginning of the year because mm -hmm. you're going to file. So there's that, mm -hmm. you know, like at some point in the beginning of the year, you should be having the conversation. Now, if, if you are a person who habitually does an extension, then you should make a time to converse um 
sometime towards the beginning of the year. And if, because if you're unable to do it at the beginning of the year, then you should definitely meet with them no later than June. Mm. Um, so like sometime May forward and um, have a, a, a conversation about like just what's going on and um, where you think you're going and kind of like a checkpoint. Mm-hmm. June and July is always a good time because that's like the mid-year mark just to see how you were doing from the beginning of the year when we talk on your taxes and just if anything has changed and mm-hmm. maybe something that needs to tweak for the, the second half of the year. And then the last time that you guys really would like to have a conversation is October, November, mm-hmm. um, because that's when all the returns have been filed. Everyone's returns should be filed at that point. And um, you are planning for the next year. Like that's honestly the sweet spot to start planning for the next year. You can still do it now, but you want to start doing it beforehand. Because the other thing is, is at that time, you're also now looking at what you've done throughout the year. So if you had like a very successful year, so like I know this year, you know, a lot of people um, have suffered financially. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the other side of the pendulum where people have had some of the best months they've ever seen in their businesses. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you have more income, when you're doing well, guess what? You, 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 you pay to play. <laughs> so now you got to figure out what am I going to do with this money? Am I going to pay it over to the IRS or how else can we be? <laughs> Or, or are we, how else can we repurpose it? And that's a conversation that you can have. And that can also include your tax professional, because then you can see, okay, if I do this, not only, of course, is an, an expense or deduction, I'm, you know, depending upon how you spend it, it could maybe qualify you for another deduction or another credit. Just all depends on what you're doing. Um, so that's why it's good to also have a, just one more conversation right before following the season around October and November um, just to make sure that you know not only are you planning for the next year but mm-hmm. for that those last month and a half or two months that you're using that time well. Mm. You shared so many great nuggets in this podcast episode <laughs> and I hope that it has been very valuable to the people, you know, to the audience who are actually tuning in, um, taking notes and shaking their head and like, yes, I need to add that to my to-do list or yes, I need to get in contact with a tax professional. Um, before you leave, could you share, and I always ask this closing question to all of our um, podcast guests, what is one quote a mantra that you actually live by? You are unique just like everyone else. Okay. <laughs> you are unique just like everyone else. I love that. And to you, what does designing a life you love mean? Um, a designing a life that I love is just being able to have impact Mm -hmm. on the world at large, Mm -hmm. Um, not only in the way that I serve as far as like with taxes, like this is, this is my zone of of genius, if you will, but, um, (laughs) but, but, but not, not just in that way, but just um, allowing people to see that you can just be you Mm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like too often, and and I and I'm speaking to myself a little bit here too. That's too okay. often we uh, we try so hard mm. to to fit what we think is quote unquote successful mm. or what we believe um, will you know will garner 
the appreciation and the acceptance of others. But you have to remember what is meant for you a lot of times, other people aren't going to see it. Um, and you still have to just live your truth and let your light so shine. Because when you do that, mm-hmm. um, the right people will come to you and um, you will be so much happier and live so much more freely and have less worries. Because you, because I truly believe in being really successful Uh is creating a life that's 100% on your terms, Uh whatever that is. Whatever that is. I love that, having the opportunity to redefine what success means for you in your life. Um, And as you were talking, I'm nodding my head (laughs) as you're (laughs) speaking the truth, because it's honestly the truth. Um, living up to your own values and your own expectations. I think that that's really important as well. Um, and so tell us, how can you share with the audience how they can get in touch with you and your work? Absolutely. Um, you can go to um, www.notaxandfinancialsolutions.com. Um, if you go slash contact or click the contact tab, that's how you can contact me. Um, and I have an Instagram page. So that's at N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, F is in Frank, S is in Sam, global. Um, so I'm going to be on there a little bit more. Um, I'm, I do have a Facebook page, but I think I'm going to be like, you know, kind of retiring that a little bit. It's still the same. Um, it's still the same at as the Instagram, but um, I'm not going to be on there as much. I'll, I'll just probably be resharing stuff. But if you're on Facebook, stuff will still be there for you. Um, and YouTube, I will be on YouTube now more as well. So, um, and that is also Nell Tax and Financial Solutions. So, um, between Instagram and YouTube, I'll be there. And, um, and then of course the webpage. So. Awesome. I've also decided to launch into YouTube as well and just building out the content. It's mm-hmm. just really amazing because it gives you an opportunity to, you know, connect with your audience and share mm-hmm. what you know. Um, so I look forward to seeing your channel. Make sure you share it. You said you'll share it on your um, different platforms so that we yeah, can. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on all the platforms right now. So yeah. Oh, right. the, yeah. So the channel is there. So yeah, you can connect on to the YouTube channel um, on the different platforms. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and there's more things to come. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm in the works of what I'm planning on launching for 2021. So I'm very excited. Um, but so, yeah, so definitely, I would say definitely connect with me on um, Instagram and YouTube because 2021 is going to be a very exciting year. I'm very excited for all the things that are about to come forward and just being my awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for you. Um, And guys, make sure you subscribe to that channel because you know you have questions about taxes. So I'm sure Chanel will be answering all your questions or you could probably post um, and comment to ask those questions. Absolutely. That's literally how this tax life, that is the whole format of those videos. So Mm -hmm. if you have a question, um, definitely post them in the comments. I'm always inviting people to post in the comments your question, because what I do is if I see either the same question coming up often, or Mm -hmm. if I see one that's very interesting, 
your question will very most likely be the next one that I'll do a video around and just answer, you know, based off of that scenario. So I won't like shout you out or anything like that, but <laughs> you know, privacy is key, yeah. but, but your scenario, you know, if someone literally, and, and any scenario I will take very seriously. I like, you know, people who come to me with the, what is, what about this? What about that? That's fine. We can explore that and we can explore in the video because if you have that question, trust me, someone else has that question too. I totally agree. And you have a special offer for our audience today. Um, I believe it was like a promo code that they could use um, when they actually go to your website for a yes. one-on-one solution consultation. Could you share a little bit more about that with us? Yes. Um, so yes, I have provided you with the promo code. I do not have it here with me. No, I have it. It's 10 tap <laughs> No, that's fine. I'll actually link it um, in the notes as well so that, you know, whoever listens yes. to at different times, they'll have the opportunity to go yes. ahead and check it out. Absolutely. But what happens is we use that promo code. It'll give you a percentage off of your service. Um, so that way, just like how I'm talking with Natasha, I will talk to you and um, you would literally fill out the questionnaire with your questions. Mm -hmm. And I, I basically answer your questions at that time. You bring your, you know, if you have a notice with you, you bring it there. Um, you know, your return, you bring it there and we talk about it. Um, and then of course, if I feel that I could better serve you with, you know, you might need an additional service. Like if I find out that you actually need full resolution work for me to maybe actually take the notice that you receive from the IRS and give you power of attorney and tell you like, okay, we're going to go ahead and handle your situation because it's a whole situation is not something that can just easily be communicated over the phone or you know mm. via zoom then that's what i'll do i'll offer that to you and then you you can decide at that time we're going to continue to further our working relationship um but yeah the whole session is literally based around you and you getting answers to your tax questions whether it's personal or for business or a little bit of both so mm. I love that. So I'll make sure that I also link it because there is a special link and I'll add the promo code. Janelle, mm -hmm. you were amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your background, your experience, um, just a lot of, you know, knowledge <laughs> that we could put in our back pocket as we are building our creative empires and, you know, building our legacy. Um, it's truly an honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Natasha. This was so much fun. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. And as always, feel free to comment, like, share, and review.